Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to the Ether Review. I'm your host, Arthur Falls. The Ether Review is a podcast about the applications of blockchain technology, from big business to governments to the software that powers our cars. This new iteration of the internet affects every part of our lives. By speaking to the people who work in this emerging field, we aim to decrypt this new technology and distribute the future that is already here. The Ether Review is sponsored by Consensus Systems, a blockchain venture production studio that uses Ethereum technology to build decentralized applications. To find out more, visit consensus.net. That's C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S dot net. Or for cutting-edge commentary on the blockchain and decentralization space, check out consensusmedia.net. Today on the Ether Review, I'm joined by Lee Weiss of Burns Weiss, a legal firm that is representing a Coinbase customer in the John Doe summons that was served to Coinbase by the IRS recently. Thanks for joining me, Lee. Thank you for having me, Arthur. So this dispute between the IRS and Coinbase started back in November, when the IRS summoned Coinbase to hand over all of its user data for users who were active on the exchange between 2013 and 2015. On behalf of what may be one or multiple users, your law firm asked the court for permission to argue against the summons. And just recently, a judge granted that permission, and you're now representing this anonymous Coinbase customer who doesn't think the IRS should be able to see all of his or her account information. Is that about correct? That, that is accurate. I, I do need to mention one more important development. After we had the hearing, the government voluntarily narrowed the scope of the summons in, is it now only covers individuals who engaged in virtual currency transactions in a given year in excess of $20,000. And I think this was chosen relatively randomly and the IRS hasn't offered any explanation as to where it came up with this number. But what we had suggested that the fact that there was not a threshold indicated that the government wasn't really conducting a legitimate investigation here, that it was just trying to get as much information as possible without any real focus on tax compliance. So what is the IRS's specific argument for this summons? The IRS's specific argument for the summons is that it's actually investigating the tax compliance of individuals who transacted in cryptocurrency in the years 2013, 2014, and 2015, and that the John Doe summons statute gives the IRS the power to seek information from Coinbase in furtherance of that investigation. So I recently sent a large sum of Bitcoin to my brother to invest in his business, and I did it through Coinbase. It was over $20,000. Will he be caught up in the summons? Um, my sense is probably not, if nothing else, based on the timing. This summons covers the years 2013, 2014, and 2015. Now, certainly, if the court allows the IRS to get some or all of the information for those tax years, it's reasonably possible that the IRS will issue 
a further summons to Coinbase for 2016 forward. It could also issue summonses to other exchanges such as Gemini. And that's why we are uh, we are continuing to fight this summons on behalf of the Coinbase customer, because again, we believe this is a massive government overreach and that in less than until the IRS can identify a specific subset of taxpayers who it's reasonably certain are engaging in tax avoidance behavior, there's no rationale for Coinbase providing any records. So basically the government is coming in and saying to Coinbase, we want all your information you have on your users and what they've bought and sold, or how detailed is the summons? The summons is, is extremely detailed. When it originally started, it actually even requested that Coinbase divulge users' public and private keys, all of their passwords, and that type of information. After we raised that issue and the court itself raised that issue at the hearing, the IRS has now said that it's only interested in the public keys. It's no longer pursuing private keys or passwords. Our view is that cryptocurrency is no different from any other investment product are no different from any other currency that can be used for transactions. And as a result, the individuals who choose to transact in it shouldn't be treated differently than anyone else. An analogy the court made is if the IRS came in and said, we want access to every checking account in the entire country so we can determine if people are underreporting tax liabilities. Everyone understands that that would be overreaching, and there's no reason that checking accounts should be treated any differently from cryptocurrency accounts, and the judge appears to have recognized that. In asking for the private keys, they're effectively asking for control of the money itself. I mean, that for me shows a total lack of understanding of blockchain-based asset. It sounds like they have no idea what they're talking about. I think that's generally correct. One of the arguments we made, and you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the IRS has been hacked previously. And obviously, if hackers knew that the IRS had the private keys for millions of Coinbase users, the IRS would be a prime target for that. And the IRS has not indicated that it has any ability to protect itself from future hacks similar to the one that it was already a victim of. It sounds like this is a complete joke to me, to be honest. Well, I, I can't offer comment as to whether it's a complete joke, but I, I will say this is an unprecedented use of the John Doe summons procedure. The purpose, as outlined by the U.S. Congress of the John Doe summons procedure, is where the IRS has identified specific tax avoidance, and it just can't identify the potential taxpayers who've engaged in that illicit conduct. And Perhaps the most typical use of the John Doe summons procedure is when the IRS determines that a law firm or a company is promoting illegal tax shelters. When the IRS learns that, they don't know who the law firm's clients are or who the company's clients are, but they know for a fact that there are taxpayers who are using illegal tax shelters. So the only way that they can identify the users of these illegal tax shelters are to issue this type of John Doe summons to the law firm or the company and ask them to identify their clients. In contrast, there's nothing inherently illegal about someone who buys and sells virtual currency. That's why I find this summons so offensive and why I think that this is a clear example of massive government overreaching. Now, this effectively equates the use of cryptocurrency to tax avoidance. Correct. It effectively lumps cryptocurrency into the, we'll call it, quote unquote, inherently suspicious tax avoidance category with things like 
large cash transactions, questionable tax shelters, and things like that that are clearly designed to avoid taxes and typically don't have a legitimate purpose, unlike cryptocurrency. Right. And I would refer again to my example where I was able to transfer a large sum of money from New Zealand to my brother in the US using Bitcoin, whereas I'm currently trying to pay for a branding agency to rebrand this podcast and to send them money using the Swift transfer system. I need their address, their phone number, their bank's address, their bank's phone number, their bank branch and their bank account number. And it's going to cost 20 to $50 and it's going to take more than a week to get there, whereas it was instant with Bitcoin and required none of that effort. So it is a legitimate need and demand for exactly the service that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies provide. And I'm fully tax compliant. So, you know, it's, it's concerning to me. I mean, I've, I've used Coinbase as well, personally. And the idea that all of this is taken as inherently suspicious activity is, it's appalling, you know. It's, it's actually, it has that sense of being a kind of abused minority, I guess. I think it is. I think it is. A rational observation. The IRS, I think for ulterior motives, has chosen to target cryptocurrency users. And I don't think it's because the IRS truly believes that many, most, or even a a reasonable amount of U.S. taxpayer virtual currency users are engaging in tax avoidance activity or other kinds of nefarious activity. One of the things we've suggested in our papers is that two months before the IRS issued this summons, the U.S. Department of Treasury issued a scathing report criticizing the IRS because in 2014, the IRS issued its guidance as to the taxation of cryptocurrency transactions. And that guidance is incredibly convoluted and difficult and burdensome on the individual taxpayer. And so the Treasury Department said, you need to clarify this so taxpayers know what they're dealing with. Rather than clarify their guidance, they issued the summons and said, we need information on millions of Coinbase users. Then, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but several U.S. congressmen, including powerful committee chairmen in the House and the Senate in May of this year, wrote a letter to the IRS and said, wait a second, you still haven't clarified your guidance, and now you're asking for millions of documents, and we don't see how you could even possibly use those documents. We're really troubled by this and you need to clarify your guidance. Yet, what does the IRS do? They continue to pursue this enforcement proceeding, and they've done absolutely nothing to clarify their taxation guidance. So I do think that the IRS is unfairly branding cryptocurrency users as somehow engaging in nefarious activity, and I believe that there are ulterior motives for the IRS to do so. So there's a couple of things here. For one, and what is really interesting is that as you say that, this reminds me of this phase called the crypto wars at the start of the 90s, where the NSA was really pushing to keep strong cryptography a military classified technology in the face of tremendous pressure to reclassify it as commercial technology. And ultimately, it was reclassified as commercial technology by the Clinton administration. And that led to the dot-com boom, because it meant that we could transact through the internet. And this whole argument resurfaced again around the decryption of cell phones and the need to put back doors in cell phones so that law enforcement could gain access to the contents of them to track terrorists. But of course, the problem is, if you put that back door in there, you then create a security vulnerability 
that threatens the entire the entire information ecosystem. And you know, this of course harks back to the the, you know, the IRS holding private keys, even though it's been hacked, creating the ultimate honeypot of financial information. I mean, these guys just seem like it just seems like a, a an absolute circus. I. Uh, again, I think the IRS is not as up to speed on cryptocurrency as it needs to be. And because of that, that can lead to things like a request for customers' private keys. Now that we've brought that issue up, the IRS has swiftly indicated that it's not pursuing private keys, but it shouldn't have been up to us to raise that issue for the IRS to understand that it doesn't need the private keys and that it's in fact dangerous for the IRS to be in possession of the private keys. Frankly, why would the IRS want the responsibility of having those private keys? That's just clearly a recipe for disaster. The, the reason I hammer on this is it, it seems to me that they haven't even made an effort to understand, like they haven't even looked at a, <laughs> they haven't even looked it up on Wikipedia. You know, you would never ask that if you had any idea what you were dealing with. As I said, I, I can't pretend to get inside the IRS's head as to why it requested the private keys in the first place, but you know, I think you're correct that that shows a massive overreach and couldn't possibly be tailored to any tax compliance goal and raises troubling issues as to the IRS's understanding of cryptocurrency and its ability to properly collect taxes. And one thing I certainly want to mention is we're, of course, not suggesting every Coinbase customer doesn't have to comply with the tax rules for cryptocurrency. The IRS makes the rules in the U.S. and U.S. taxpayers are bound by them. So this is not an attempt to allow potential tax evaders to uh, successfully avoid taxes. But I'd like to read you a sentence from a congressional report when this John Doe statute was initially enacted about 40 years ago. It says that the IRS should use this John Doe summons procedure when facts are known to the IRS that are of such a nature as to be reasonably suggestive of the possibility that the correct tax liability with respect to that transaction may not have been reported. Clearly, the IRS doesn't have any specific knowledge here that certain Coinbase customers are not reporting the correct tax liability. It's just grasping its straws. It has not offered any facts to suggest that this possibility exists, and that's why we are so adamant in opposing their enforcement petition. How should the U.S. ensure that people are paying their taxes on cryptocurrency? What would you think is a reasonable solution for them? I think a reasonable solution would be to have the the companies such as Coinbase, Gemini, and other exchanges and other businesses that are involved with potentially tax-incurring cryptocurrency transactions to have to provide the same records to the IRS that 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 investment advisors, for example, have to provide. You know, I have an account, for example, with Merrill Lynch. I get copies of the appropriate tax reporting documents from Merrill Lynch, and those are provided to the IRS. Right now, the IRS doesn't have the same requirements for cryptocurrency exchanges. So I think the onus is on the IRS to promulgate the necessary regulations that allow it to get the information that it needs rather than proceeding by summons when there's absolutely no basis for doing so. It's it's you know, it's sort of the interplay between the government and privacy. Under the IRS summons procedure, unless the government shows it has a basis suggesting tax avoidance, it can invade the privacy of US taxpayers. Why don't they do that? 
why don't they just treat it like any other investment firm? I think this goes back to Arthur's point, because I don't think they fully understand it. Under the current IRS guidance, if I buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin, I'm supposed to fill out a report that indicates how much I purchased that Bitcoin for, how much the Bitcoin was worth at the time I purchased the cup of coffee. And if the Bitcoin's worth more when I purchased the cup of coffee than it was when I purchased it, I have to report that as a taxable event. That's obviously an unrealistic vision. The IRS can't seem to bridge the gap between Bitcoin and other virtual currencies as a method of payment and Bitcoin and other virtual currencies as an investment product. And it has to come up with a way to bridge that gap. And that's that's part of the reason that it's been criticized for having convoluted guidance. So where to next? Where does this go next? We are filing papers on Thursday of this week and Coinbase is as well, where we're gonna set forth our arguments as to why we don't think the IRS should be able to get any information from Coinbase because we don't believe there's any basis for investigating Coinbase's customers, even as the IRS has narrowed the summons. Again, Congress requires facts demonstrating a reasonable suggestion of tax avoidance, and we don't think the IRS has demonstrated that here. Then the government will have the right to respond, after which the court will have the option of either ruling on the papers or it can hold a hearing and hear argument from the parties. The court can also have what's called an evidentiary hearing, at which point it would take testimony from the IRS agent who filed a a declaration and then issue a ruling after that as to whether or not to enforce the petition. The court also has the right to narrow the petition further. For example, it could say Coinbase only has to give information on customers who transacted in excess of $100,000. I'm not suggesting that I think that would be fair. I'm just trying to give an example of the power that the court has. So what's Burns Weiss's involvement in the rest of these proceedings? And how will you proceed to argue as this develops? We are the voice of Coinbase's customers in opposition to what the government is doing. And one more thing I forgot to mention, in the US there's a type of brief that's called an amicus curiae brief, which is a friend of the court. What that type of brief is, is organizations, typically nonprofit organizations, but not always, who have an interest in a proceeding can seek and argue their position to the court. We have been contacted by potential organizations about filing those types of briefs, and my understanding is that Coinbase has been contacted as well. So it's possible organizations other than Coinbase or its customers are going to ask the court for permission to file a brief and offer their opinions on the IRS summons. And my sense is most of those arguments are going to be about privacy issues and how the IRS should not be permitted to overreach here. So do you represent a single customer? Currently, yes, we represent a single customer in the court proceeding. We have other clients, but we only represent a single customer in the court proceeding. And the reason for that is the arguments do not differentiate between Coinbase customers. Why is it that they're choosing to remain anonymous in this situation? Is there or Well, it's, there's sort of two reasons for it. One, as I said earlier, the purpose of the John Doe summons from the IRS's perspective is for Coinbase to identify its customers. So to identify the person who otherwise need not be identified if, if we are right and the IRS is wrong would sort of defeat the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish. But second, when we originally got involved in this case, we actually brought a motion to intervene on behalf of my law partner, Jeffrey Burns. And we wanted to make it clear that he had nothing to hide 
in the way of tax compliance, so he identified himself. As soon as we did that, the IRS withdrew the summons as to Mr. Burns only, and then argued that our motion was moot because he had already been identified. So in order to prevent the IRS from repeating that conduct, we didn't identify our, our clients when we did this again. That makes sense. <laughs> so sleazy. That's what we thought. And we also argued, by the way, they didn't get any of Mr. Burns' information. All they got was his name, yet they withdrew the summons. We argued, if they say they desperately need all this information about every Coinbase customer, how come as soon as we identified a Coinbase customer, they withdrew the summons without getting any of the information? Wow. Well, this is kind of depressing, to be perfectly honest, but I hope you've got a really easy fight ahead of you, Lee. So do we, but the IRS is a very powerful organization. So we are certainly confident in our position, but it's, you know, that'll be up to the court. We think we're going to bring strong arguments. We are hopeful that other organizations will come in and fight for these privacy rights. So we're, we think we're right here and think we have the stronger arguments. So hopefully we will prevail in the end. Well, thanks a bunch for coming on and explaining all of this, Lee. This has been simmering away in the background, but doesn't seem to have really gotten the attention that I feel it should have. And certainly, I think we've learned a lot about the IRS itself just from how this thing has unfolded. Well, thank you again for having me, and I hope I was informative. Fantastic. And I look forward to seeing how this all unfolds. Hopefully, we can get an update in the next couple of months. Okay, I will, uh, I'll be happy to provide an update once the court does something definitive. You've been listening to the Ether Review. I'm Arthur Falls. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit etherreview.info.